It was Christmas morning, and to my parents' despair, I once again woke in a bad mood. This was the third Christmas in a row that my disgruntled self passive-aggressively threw myself down on the couch with that can-we-get-this-over-with teenage attitude. As the morning progressed, my attitude didn't get any better. The floor was covered in a virtual sea of wrapping paper. Whoever was responsible for this smorgasbord of holiday delight, Santa Claus, Mom and Dad, or the Easter Bunny moonlighting for extra cash, nobody cared. At least I didn't. Christmas had arrived, so joyful and full of teenage angst. Please don't hold it against me. Interestingly, if you could take a peek at the Davies photo album from this morning, you'd find a picture of me holding all kinds of electronics, new clothes, and gadgets, but rarely a smile. I usually got all that I asked for and a few things I didn't. In fact, from the nuclear war remains of dead trees sprawled across the living room floor, you'd think I was the kid who'd gotten everything he wanted that year, and you'd be right as a reindeer. But from the look on my mug, you'd think that my dog had just died halfway through the present opening extravaganza. What was going on? Why the glum look on the greatest day of the kid year? To be honest, I forget exactly what was going on while mom was clicking off pictures and dad was full of gratuitous glee. He had put one of those toys in a box and a box and a box and a box and watched me uh, ravishly dig, it, dig through that and pull off the tape in the box, out of the box, out of the box. But in the midst of all that, I do remember this, an unmistakable feeling of letdown permeating my gift saturated soul. Sadly, what I've just described to you is a picture of the hollowness that would haunt my life for years to come. It's this universal dilemma. I should be happy. So why am I not happy? And it wasn't because my expectations weren't met. They were met. I received all I wanted for Christmas. No, my expectations were definitely met. The problem was that the tree was filled out with presents, but the fullness of my soul longed for remained empty. Maybe this feels reminiscent of your own Christmas story, a story that seemed to extend way beyond the 25th of December. Maybe this story sounds more like whining and entitled punk. Either way, however our Christmas calendars, trees, and even homes may be filled, the fullness we want this time of year can only be found in Jesus. The fullness we so desperately want to find or to hold on to once we experience it is not found in presence beneath wrapping paper. It's found in a person that was once wrapped in swaddling clothes. Jesus, the person of God's presence. Colossians 1, verse 19, For God was pleased to have all of His fullness dwell in Him. The God who created it all, 
who originally designed this world made himself known in Jesus. And it's because of Jesus that some angsty teenager can learn to appreciate the good gifts from the God above. Even this time of year when I still struggle a little bit to appreciate all the the joy and the fullness that's supposed to come this time of year. But it's because of Jesus that I can point my soul back to the one who we're supposed to be celebrating. Even when it seems a little too commercialized, a little too overwhelming, a little too pressure-filled, and a little too filled with faux cheer. While the message of Christmas can often get lost this time of year, it's the perfect time to refocus our understanding on the message of Christianity. For God was pleased to have His fullness dwell in Him. Why was God pleased? Christmas culturally points us to the incarnation of God in Jesus. God was pleased because Jesus would accurately portray what humanity was designed to be and do while simultaneously portraying the character and priorities of an otherwise unknowable God. We were designed to be connected to the presence of God. And the ultimate presence comes in the form of Jesus. And it's Jesus that communicates the presence of God. Think back to a couple weeks ago when you chopped down your beloved Christmas tree that's now sitting there slowly dying despite all the chemicals and the things you put in. And maybe you've opted for those fake trees like my family has because then there's no chance of it dying before that blissful Christmas morning. But if you chop down the real tree, you strapped it to your car, drug it into the house like the domestic lumberjack that you are, and had a pair of hands full, sticky with sap that you're going to be able to prove until July that, hey, you chopped down your Christmas tree. And after wrestling that tree into the stand, you probably added some preservatives and thought easily, yeah, I could be a forest ranger. I got this in a bag. So good job. But here's, here, here's the bad news this morning, is all you did is prolong the inevitable. It's going to die for this poor tree. Your tree doesn't need just more preservatives to prolong its greenness and life. It simply needs replanting. It needs to be reunited to the good soil that was take, it was taken out of and set deep roots so it has any chance of surviving. And Jesus fills the depths of our soul with the fullness and love that He is. And it's like a dead branch being reattached to a living vine. And to keep with the theme, it's like a Christmas tree replanted in good soil on that Christmas tree farm that was tragically taken from. See, that's God's design. Our design is to be connected with the presence of God. And this presence is chopped away by sin present in our lives and in our world. And for a time, God's presence needed to be mediated. In the ancient world, temples operated as models of life and systems of the world to communicate the microcosm of the God that that religion served. And it was illustrated in stone and idols and in pictures. But in our own hearts, we create modes of worship where we try to manipulate the fullness back into our 
wise. And in our contemporary culture, we are failing and we are flailing because we are trying to recreate a temple which, like the temples of the ancient world, exhausts and dismays, creating anxious and confused followers because all we want to do is control, manipulate, grasp for approval, climb that ladder, fill that void with something we can see and something we can touch. And we're trying to grasp for something that can only be found in the fullness of Jesus. Because it's in Jesus the unknowable God becomes known. The Scripture says He will be called Emmanuel, God with us, to fulfill the promise that God will be with His people. And so Jesus' presence is not just God's presence amongst us. He is God's redemptive presence sent to renew us, to complete God's goal of moving history toward His full presence. So when the sin, when the brokenness of this world wants to chop itself away at our soul, when we plant ourselves in the presence of Jesus through our faith in Him, we have a chance and we actually have a hope that God is moving us towards a place where His presence will be fully known, experienced, and accessed, and lived out in our world. The time of the promise was at hand. The promise that God's presence would be reunited with humanity. See, God was pleased because He knew Jesus' birth was the start of God's presence coming to be present in your life. And the coming of Jesus is the fulfillment of this long-awaited promise. The fulfillment of this promise proved that God had not forgotten us. The name Generations Church is not just something we pulled out of the Scripture or pulled out of thin air. It was something that as a team of people prayed and asked, God, what would you do with a new startup church right here in Salmon Creek? What could you do? Specifically in my own soul, in my own quiet time, I sensed God saying, go to Psalm 22. And though I tell this joke often, the only thing I knew about Psalm 22 was that it came before Psalm 23. (laughs) And as I read that psalm, the first lines of that psalm go, My God, my God, why have you forgotten me? Why have you forsaken me? I heard some of you whisper that. Here's the beautiful thing. As that psalm progresses, as the author cries out, there is a promise at the end of the psalm that says, God has not forgotten His people. In fact, the name of the Lord and what He has done will be told to those who are unborn and generations to come will know the name of the Lord. And that is where the name Generations Church comes from. We want to be a community right here that says generations to come will know the name of the Lord and what He has done. That there is a God who stepped out of heaven, was born a baby, lived a perfect life to be our righteousness, to live how we should live but cannot, and die to death on a cross that paid the penalty for us. And so we can experience freedom and have access to the fullness that we so desperately want. Because when Jesus rose from that grave, 
He sent the Holy Spirit so through our faith in Him, we can have the presence of God in our life every single day. And that's why we say we're everyday people committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. See, we get to experience the presence of God every day. And we want to be a community of people to live like it. To where we, when we live, work, and play, to simply be, say, hey, we are connected to the Creator. We don't have it figured all out. We don't necessarily have all the answers. But we're planting our life and the soil so that we can flourish. And we want you to experience the same fullness that we are finding. And I believe God can do the same thing in your life that He did in mine by taking an angsty teenager full of mood swings and couldn't stand Christmas music to a place He can find joy and appreciation of the holiday season. Not because we always get what Christmas is about right. Because I am learning to find fullness in Jesus. And so the time of the promise was up at hand. And I know I've kind of made it sound like everyone hates Christmas. Likely you don't. And I know that's not true. Some of you like Christmas. Jesse? Yeah, see, we're good. So, so it's good. It's good. We're good. So, but, yeah, yeah, see, good, good pair there. But the thing is, as we all know, is after this season leaves, the joy and the cheer fades. And you anxiously and anticipate next year. And my question is simply this. What if the fullness that you are so fond of doesn't have to fade? What if the spirit that you long for doesn't have to disappear when all the trees are taken down and the lights are taken off the house? Here's the good news. It doesn't. The promise of Jesus is for you. And I don't know if you have a hard time believing that this morning. It seems a little too good to be true. But in Jesus, we have the hope of eternity and example to follow in our everyday. The promise of Jesus, God's presence in your life is for you. The presence of Jesus is for you. So I want you to do a little something with me. I want you to hold out your hands like this. I know some of you taking notes. You're like, oh, I got to put down my paper. Two hands. Here, here's, here's, here's what I'm convinced of. If you're, if you're comfortable, is oftentimes we go around life with life with closed hands. With closed hands, we try to grab on. We try to maintain control. I mean, you can even think a little barbell right here by our own strength and our own power. And we, and we, we hold tightly, we, we, we go on, and what happens is when our hands are closed, because we're trying to maintain control, we can't receive. If someone tried to put something into your hand right now, could they do it when your fists are closed? No. Some of you this morning have been living your life metaphorically this way. And my ask is simple. Would you just open up your hands? Some of you for the first time 
would you just open up your hands? You don't have to do anything else. Would you open up your soul and your hands so that the possibility of God putting something in your life, your hands are open, your, your soul is open, so that you can receive it. Because I just know when we go around life with a white-knuckle grip, we miss out on a lot of good gifts. And some of you have opened your hands, and you've been walking around like this. You, you, you've, you've had your hands open, you're exploring, it's like this. And sometimes even with our hands open, when someone tries to give us something, we can drop it. We, we, we can push it away. We can stiff arm. So here, here's my question, is, and really the challenge is, those of you who have been open and exploring and trying to figure it out, and you've had your hands open, don't simply just keep your hands open, but actually receive Jesus. Say yes to Him. Say yes to Him. And some of you who have said yes to Jesus, you've, you've kind of taken him with one hand and you've kind of hid the other behind your back. And you're doing it one hand and I just picture riding a bike kind of one arm and trying to steer and trying to do all kinds of tricks and things like that. That's there my teenage mind coming back out. But what happens is when we just try to accept Jesus with one arm here and maybe your fingers are crossed behind your back or your other hands clenched. We don't have access to the full weight of our lives and we're missing out on the fullness of receiving it with our total self. So I just invite you, if you've accepted Jesus and it's been a little hard for you and you sense that there's an area of your life that's closed off, open up that other hand. Accept Him with your total life. Allow Him to adjust your relationships, how you view the world, your finances, where you spend your time. And watch what God might do about how He might bring some blessing there. You thought there was no possible change accessible or present. And lastly, for those this morning who if you can kind of honestly say, yeah, I've, I've got my life open. I've, I've got both hands. I'm in. I'm following Him. If you've got the presence of Jesus in your life, would you be willing to give that presence to someone else? Would you, after you've received it, would you give it away? You've got somebody in your life that you've been praying for, that you've, you've thought of, that you just want them to experience the fullness that all God has for them. Maybe you need to set up a coffee, grab a beer, have a conversation with them. Say, we want you to experience the same joy and fullness that we have and we are finding each and every day in Jesus. So Christmas is loaded with meaning. It's the celebration beginning of God fulfilling His primary promise to be with His people. And one day, evil will be conquered and humanity will be restored totally to their relationship with God. The evil and pain that we see in our world will no longer exist. It will be justly punished. And the presence of God with His people forever will be present. So this Christmas... Let's marvel at the incarnation that it presents to us the fullness of God and the fullness of man. That is Jesus. 
because it proclaims to us the great big good news of the fullness of God for the fullness of mankind. God was pleased to have his fullness dwell within Jesus so that we can experience the fullness found only in him. So with your hands or with your heart, what does God want you to do? What is that next step that he wants you to take? Write it down, remind you. Because the time is coming when January will be here. And you'll be thinking about goals and resolutions and change. And I can't think of anything better than to take a step and experience more fullness of God in your life. Let's pray.